This is Marginalia, a production of KMUW Wichita. Marginalia. Notes in the margin of a book. Notes, commentary, and similar material Marginalia written in the margin of a book. Comments and notes that which are, are incidental, incidental or additional to the main topic. The main topic in the margin of a book. Author Eleanor Brown's newest novel follows the complicated and constantly evolving dynamics of open adoptions. Titled Any Other Family, it imagines three families who adopt biological siblings and ultimately decide to raise them as one extended family. Although it's fiction, Eleanor Brown has a deeply personal connection to the themes explored in this book, as she is an adoptive parent herself. I recently spoke with Eleanor Brown about her experience and the complex dynamics of family, no matter how you define it. I'm Beth Golay, this is Marginalia, and here's our conversation. Could you give our listeners a brief description of your book? Sure. So Any Other Family is the story of three sets of parents who become a family when they adopt biological siblings and agree to raise them as siblings, even though they're living in different houses. So I understand that you have a pretty personal tie to this theme of adoption. Would you be comfortable with sharing your experience as an adoptive parent or or why you were inspired to write the book? Sure. Can I tell you the story? It's a good story. Yes, I'd love it. So um, about four years ago, my husband and I were sitting at home watching the Olympics And we got a call from my OBGYN. And it was like nine o'clock at night. And I don't know about you, but my doctors do not usually call me at nine o'clock at night. And she said, hey, listen, I had a woman come in for her annual exam yesterday. And it turns out she's six months pregnant and she wants to make a plan for adoption. And you were the first people I thought of. Do you want a baby? Now, I don't know about you, but I don't get calls offering me a human being very often. Um, And we hadn't been looking to adopt at the time. So we were a little surprised, but we talked to each other. We met my son's birth mother and his birth father. And three months later, there we were in the delivery room while our son was born. And so it kind of launched us into this world of adoption that we were totally unprepared for. And I had so many questions and so many thoughts about what it means to make a family like this. And what I usually do when I have questions that I don't know the answer to is I make people up and try to have them answer the questions. Like you figure this out. And so that's what I did here. I took all of my questions about the way we make families and what does adoption mean and what does parenthood mean and how do you grow to trust people who join your family and how do you grow to love them or at least tolerate them. And uh, I put that all into what became any other family. Well, and you know, we experience this family, we experience the story through many points of view, you know, through Elizabeth, Tabitha and Ginger, they are all of the adoptive mothers of these four siblings, but also through the interstitial stories of people wanting to adopt that are woven through the story. Can you talk to me about the craft of compartmentalizing those voices and and how you determined which character was going to, because there are a lot of different things that people are struggling with throughout this whole book. How did you decide which of those struggles belonged to whom? 
So I'm a, definitely a character-driven writer. That's why I come to story as a reader and as a writer. I'm interested in people. I'm interested in human nature. I'm interested in the forces that shape us and make us who we are. And so, you know, parenthood is just another way, another lens through which to view that. And I, you know, the two of the mothers, Tabitha and Elizabeth, came to me pretty easily. Uh, I knew I wanted, you know, Tabitha, who's sort of the Pinterest mom is what I call her, you know, she, everything has to be perfect and look right. And she wants everybody to be a very a perfect, happy family to make up for her own childhood. And then Elizabeth, I really wanted to write about um, female anger. And she is very angry and she has good cause to be. And she's also wrestling with being the mother of an infant, which is a real shock especially in her case for reasons readers will discover in the in the book. And so them I just kind of knew and they came to me very easily. I knew that I wanted to have a breadth of experiences of parenthood, of personal histories, and also of reasons that people come to adoption. And then Ginger sort of like I used her to kind of balance them out. She's sort of this, this middle road peacemaker. One of the things that was very important to me as an adoptive parent was to write about a lot of the preconceptions that people have about adoption. And one of those is reasons that people come to adoption and choose to be adoptive parents. And I think there's this kind of narrative that it's solely to do with couples who have fertility issues, and that's not the case at all. So as you mentioned, I also put in these interstitial chapters from hopeful adoptive parents um, to give people an idea of the broad range of reasons that, that people are interested in adoption and want to grow their families in that way. So what about those prospective parents? Were you rooting for anyone in particular? <laughs> <laughs> that would be cheating. <laughs> you know, I think that's actually one of the most interesting parts of this book. And I hope that people will have arguments with themselves and, you know, if they're in a book club with each other, because, you know, look, when, when you um, get pregnant and you tell people that you're pregnant, nobody says to you, well, why do you want to be a parent? Or can I see your last three years of financial records? And let's have a very detailed conversation about how you feel about parenting and, and your um, sex life with your partner, right? You just say, congratulations, when are you due? But when you are adopting, the process is very different. And so one of the things that I was very interested in in the story was making people interrogate this idea, first of all, of what makes a good parent? Who is the best parent for this particular child and this particular family? Because those are two separate questions. And then also, what does this mean? And how would you feel being evaluated you know, as to, as to whether you would be a good parent or a right parent? What would that feel like to go through that experience? So I hope people will have some conversations and some arguments and some strong feelings about that. I absolutely do have some hopeful adoptive parents that I was rooting for, um, but my hope is that that won't be the same answer for everybody. You know, I really liked the way that you were able to point out that, you know, when people say, oh, I'm pregnant, you know, some people who want to be parents so badly, either through adoption or IVF, 
they pay so much money for what other people can just have happen for free. And I really yeah. liked, I could appreciate, you know, when you were pointing that aspect out as well. So this book focuses on this blended family, mm-hmm. but, you know, it also explores the extended family of our main characters. And you just now questioned, you know, what makes this adoptive parent the right parent for this child? And that's not always, you know, the case for people related by blood, they're not the right right parent for that child. (laughs) So, you know, through this exploration of, you know, this family, their extended families, you know, we give so much thought to the question of what defines a family. But it was late in the book, one of your characters summed it up in a way that I loved. And she said, family is family. And isn't it amazing when something so complex can be summed up so succinctly? And I'm pretty sure it was Elizabeth who said that. Yeah, well, she's because she's kind of direct. So that that seems like the thing that she would do. Right. And that was one of the things, you know, that I came to. I never come to answers when I write a book, but I think I come to a sort of peace with the questions that I that I walked in with. And that's one of them, right? You know, adoptive family is family and it is wonderful and frustrating and complex, just like any other family. And that was, you know, one of the reasons that I chose that title for the book is because this family is like any other family. They're like your family. They you know, love each other and drive each other crazy and um, are learning how to get through just like any other family is. So a family vacation is the perfect pressure cooker for family drama. So what was it about this setting that felt most appropriate for this novel? So um, I sent them to a vacation house in Aspen, Colorado. I'm a big fan of the Ship of Fools story structure (laughs) where you just stick a whole lot of people together and, and as you said, put them in a pressure cooker and see what happens, see what blows up. Um, I chose, so I live in Colorado. I like the mountains because the mountains are in their own way kind of claustrophobic and open at the same time. I chose Aspen because there's always a layer in my books about money. In this story, it definitely comes out very clearly the financial differences between these families. And as you mentioned, folks who are building their families in ways other than what is lovingly referred to in the fertility community as free sex babies, you know, they really have to think about those financial implications and you have to prove to uh, adoption agencies that you are financially stable enough to care for a child. So I wanted them to be in a place where those financial differences would come out. So putting them in a wealthy mountain community was absolutely a way to do that. And then, yeah, they're just pushed together. And that's when people start to scrape up against each other. So whether it's real or imagined, there's some competition going on between the women in the book. You know, Ginger, Tabitha, and Elizabeth are very different women, but they all experience some level of competition with each other. Can you talk to me about the pressures of motherhood, especially when it comes to comparison or competition? Sure. And I think that everybody will experience that in a different way when they read the book. I think I'm kind of a competitive person. And so that comes out there. But I do think, especially in the social media age, we are so used to comparing ourselves with the image that we have of other people, not necessarily with the reality. And, you know, over the years, we have made motherhood into this kind of competitive sport. And when they are all together, it's very easy to see 
those differences among them. I think also there's this additional layer with adoption. When you bring home a child who is not biologically yours, you are responsible for and to that child. You have your own issues that you're dealing with, but you are also responsible for and to their entire extended family. So we have an open adoption. Um, we have close relationship with my son's birth parents and also with their extended families. And I always feel like I'm constantly aware of them in my parenting, right? That it is my responsibility to take care of this child, not just for him, but for them as well. And so I think that's an additional reason that in this particular story, comparison is layered over things because there is always somebody over your shoulder. Their family social worker is still involved in this family. And that awareness that there are other people watching, there are other people you're responsible to, I think is particular to adoptive parenting. So do you have to juggle to the extent of Tabitha's efforts? I'm not quite that bad. <laughs> People definitely always ask me, you know, which character is you? And I think that um, all the characters have a little piece of me in them, right? And, and all of the characters mothering has a little piece of my mothering in it. But I also think there's a reason Tabitha came so easily. I definitely, I definitely <laughs> can fall into that Pinterest mom trap of like, I have to have the perfect snack to bring to school. It has to be beautiful as well as healthy. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's again, that, that social media comparison influence. So I read the little essay that you wrote titled In Her Own Words when and it came with the book. Mm, right, and right. Um, you talked about your the open adoption of your son. And you wrote, when most people have a baby, their family grows by one. Ours grew exponentially. So you keep in contact with the birth mother and the birth father's family. Were there other siblings? I mean, does your son have other siblings involved? Like th th this story, there's a bond between the four siblings and, and the commitment to keep them involved in each other's lives. Was mm -hmm. that inspired? by your life in any way or is that no my son okay. has no um no biological siblings I'm rooting I'm rooting for yeah. that <laughs> but I'm not putting pressure on on anybody but I do know one of the things that I did was I talked to a lot of other adoptive families a lot of adult adoptees and it is this interesting question in open adoption of what kind of relationships a child should have with their biological family so you know, I, one of the reasons that I wrote Any Other Family is because I wanted to open up people's definition of adoption. I think a lot of people are familiar with closed adoption, which was the tradition for a long time where a child would be adopted and would have no contact with their biological family for multiple reasons, many of which have to do with shame on all sides. Sometimes uh, kids were not even told they were adopted. We know that if it is possible, and it is not always possible or recommended, if it is possible, it can be really beneficial for adoptees to have a relationship with their birth family. So that's why we have tried to do this with our son. And we know that when there are biological siblings, particularly if they are older, as some of them are in this book, sometimes there are family patterns that would be healthier for the kids to break. And so they might be placed in different homes. There was definitely a whole lot of puzzle fitting that went on when I was trying to put this family together. But again, I wanted to give people as broad a view of what adoptive families could look like as possible. 
And I wanted them to have these kids who are biologically related, but just to draw a line to make it clear how different the kids are as well as their adoptive parents. One aspect that gave me pause was the amount of grief that mm-hmm. was involved um, with adoption and with, with this book. I mean, you talked about Elizabeth being very angry, but, you know, she is one of the adoptive parents who, you know, with there were some other prospective parents who were unable to conceive through methods like IVF. And their grief and their unidentified grief was palpable at times. Mm-hmm. There was a point in the book where one of your characters said, every adoption begins with a loss. Can you talk to me about that? Sure. So another thing um, that biological parents don't have to do, but probably should do, uh, is go through training classes. And one of the classes that you have to take is about adoption in particular. And that was one of the things that the trainer said. She said, adoption starts with a loss. And that struck me and continues to strike me basically daily. And if you think about it, there are layers to that loss, right? There's the loss to the child of the family they will not grow up in, right? For better or for worse, it's still a loss. There is a loss to the birth parents and to the extended family of the family they will not have, right? Or the vision they had of what grandparenthood or parenthood might be like. And then there's also a loss to the adoptive parents of the family that they maybe thought they were going to have in Elizabeth and John's case and turned out not to be the case. And I should point out that adoption is not always a second choice, right? There's actually a family in the interstitials that makes it very clear, like this is their first choice. This is what they want to do. Um, And I think that that's another myth about adoption is that people come to adoption as a last resort. And that is absolutely not the case. So at each piece, we call it the adoption triad. Okay, the triangle of the adoptive child, the biological family and the adoptive family. Every piece of that adoptive experience is touched by loss. And I talked to a lot of adult adoptees for this, and most of them were actually incredibly, you know, happy with it. They loved their adoptive families. Um, A couple of them had chosen not to have relationships with their biological families. They preferred, you know, just to do that. And that's a whole question about loyalty. But I feel like always keeping that idea in mind. My son is very happy. He has a wonderful relationship with his birth parents, but I'm always aware that at some point he may trip over this, right? And I don't know how how deep and how hard he's going to fall, but I feel like I always need to be aware that that's a possibility. Okay, so we've talked about a lot. Is there anything that you want to talk about that I haven't asked today? I don't know. I mean, the only thing that I feel like is important about this story to me is that Like, what do I want people to walk away with? I want them to walk away with a broader understanding of adoption. But this book is more than that, right? It is not solely for people who have experiences with adoption. It's also very much a story about motherhood, parenthood, about grief, as you said, and anger, about comparison, and about the way that we carry our past with us on our backs, uh, whether we want to or not. Um, and the way in which we create 
families and who we get to call family. So while adoption was what brought me to this story, I hope that it resonates with readers beyond that as well. Even if you have no experience with adoption, even if you're not a parent, I think it's a, a bigger story than that. I hope that's what I've created. Well, Eleanor Brown, the book is Any Other Family. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. That was Eleanor Brown, author of the book, Any Other Family, which was published by G.P. Putnam Sons. Thanks for joining us for Marginalia. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review. Marginalia was produced at KMUW Wichita. Our engineers are Mark Statzer and Torin Anderson. Our editor is Luann Stevens. Our producer is Haley Krausen. And our marketing assistant is Carly Cooper. This is Marginalia. And for KMUW, I'm Beth Golay.